Let's stand together as the Lord calls us to worship this morning. The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. A fire goes before Him and burns up His enemies round about Him. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare His righteousness and all the peoples see His glory. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. Amen. heaven, we thank you that you have ordered our lives such that we are here together today as your people. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us by your spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our triune God, we have gathered together today to give you praise and glory and honor. And we ask, Lord, as you pour out your spirit upon us, we pray that you would, that we would have a sense and a sight of the beauty of the holiness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would inhabit the praises of your people. And we join our hearts together now as one voice and pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray out loud, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, 
This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to be reciting together the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 845 in the green hymnal if you would like to use it. I'm going to begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of Psalms, chapter 122. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet had been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, in the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord, for thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Amen. Let's continue to worship now, singing hymn number 392, O Day of Rest and Gladness.
seated. And turn in your hymnal to page 826 for our responsive reading this morning. We're going to be reading out loud together Psalm 112. It's on page 826. Psalm 112, I'll begin with the light portion. Uh, Please respond out loud together with the bold. Praise the Lord. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. For our pastoral prayer time this morning, uh, we're going to pray for one another as a a church family, and particularly those who have uh, physical and health issues that are going on. I also want to pray for our missionaries, pray that the Lord would uh, bless Roger and Laura Dye as they seek to serve the Lord and contribute to the work of the kingdom through the gifts that God has given them. Let's go now before the throne of grace together in prayer. Our Father, we thank You for this time to be able to pray to You as a church family, to pause in this service of worship to lift up our hearts to You. We confess, Lord, that we need the reminder. We need the reminder that it is You who work in our prayers, and this makes prayer significant. That spending time with You in prayer is not something we do when we have done everything else. It is the thing we are to do. Lord, we pray that you would help us in our moments of weakness, that we would be strengthened by your spirit, that we would believe that prayer is righteous, that prayer is good, that we're not just offering up words and phrases to the ceiling, but we are lifting up our hearts to our Heavenly Father. We pray, Lord, asking that you would hear us today because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice on our behalf. We know and confess, Lord, that it is not because of our good deeds that you accept us and hear our prayers. And yet we come before you boldly by faith, knowing that Jesus has secured your ear for your people. Lord, I pray for those in our church family who are struggling this morning with sickness and illness, for medical emergencies and things that have happened this week and are ongoing from weeks prior. Lord, we raise up our hearts to you. We raise up petitions asking that you would give healing and wholeness, that you would work in bodies that need care, that you would give doctors and nurses 
and other physicians wisdom as they care for your people. And Lord, I pray for caretakers, for those who are not sick or ill, but who are there by the side of their loved ones and who do so in good days and in bad days, in days when they have the energy for it and on the days when they don't. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength by your grace. Lord, we do cry out to you for healing and we cry out to you for the the grace to trust you in the midst of our trials. We pray, Lord, that you would be merciful to your people. And Lord, I do pray for Roger and Laura. I pray that you would bless their ministry. I pray that you would also, Lord, at the beginning of this year, as they think about and plan and, and have a vision for what you would have them do with the next 12 months. Lord, I pray that you would give them space in their planning, that you would give them a heart for you as they think about what they might do, that they would also, not just in their planning, but also in their daily lives, that they would acknowledge and worship you as children who belong to you, who know their heavenly father. Lord, I pray that this year would be a year of special closeness in their home with you and special closeness with one another because of your work by your spirit in their lives. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you that we may have a a portion of a participation in their ministry of spreading the gospel around the world. We thank you and praise you, Lord, and ask that you would continue to have your hand and your spirit upon us in this service of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's remain seated now for our offering. We're going to be singing together uh, hymn number 468, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. Thank you.
together for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we dedicate now to you our tithes and our offerings. We offer up to you, Lord, in this offering a portion of what you have so richly blessed us with, and you have. You have blessed us as a church family, you have blessed us individually. And we thank you, Lord, that you care for our needs. It's a reminder to us, even in this offering, that you care for us. You see us each day, and you provide for the things that we need, and so many of the things that many of us want. We are a rich people. We dedicate now to you our tithes and our offerings, and we say to you, Lord Jesus, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
invite you to open uh, your Bibles uh, to two passages this morning. The first is Psalm 62, and the next is Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be reading a few verses in both of these passages. You might have noticed that our service order is a little bit different this morning than what we typically do. Uh, After our sermon this morning, we will be ordaining uh, and installing officers in the church here at Lebanon. And just let me say a word of special welcome to any who might be here visiting for that as family members and those in support. Uh, What a wonderful day to be together as God's people, but especially as we see uh, Him be faithful to His church to raise up leaders to serve in our church. So Psalm 62 and Matthew chapter 11. In Psalm 62, I'm going to be reading verses 5 through 8. This is the word of the Lord. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. And then in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Today's sermon is entitled, The Lord's Day. And the word Lord in all capitals. It's a special day. It's a day that God gives us to lay down our worldly cares and to truly enter the rest that He intended for our union with Christ, our Savior. And it is a special prayer today that our Lord would give us the gift of faith, even in this time as we read His Word, as we reflect on the Scriptures, that we would believe His promises by faith. In the Old Testament, after the exodus from Egypt, Israel was to observe a Sabbath, one day in seven. Six days shall you labor, God told His people, but you shall keep the seventh day holy unto Me. It shall be a Sabbath. It shall be for me. You shall not work, he told them. And he said that it was patterned after his work of creation. That in six days God created the heavens and the earth and everything that we see. And on the seventh day he rested. He told his people, this is the pattern. It's a covenant, actually, between me and you. That you would remember that I am the Lord your God. Indeed, it was a command. You shall not work. But it was also a promise. And in it, those who participated by faith in the Sabbath saw the promise of God. He said, I will be with you and I will provide for you. The challenges for observing the Sabbath, think about it for just a moment. Piles of work, obstacles, family responsibilities, they were no less real for them than they are for us today. It's not possible to make a a life harder or more difficult than to think about having to work for every bit of food that you eat. For everything that you have to work for to provide shelter, 
to do what you need to take care of your family, to stretch every penny. God didn't give this law to make life difficult for His people, but to point them to their relationship with Him and to remind them of their dependence on Him so that they would remember, no matter how hard I work, no matter how successful I am, my sin, my need for cleansing before a holy God is before me. No matter how successful I am or how good I look in the mirror or how well my clothes fit, I'm reminded I still have a need before a holy God. In an instant, all the results, all the earthly results of all of my hard work could be gone. They could be taken away like a vapor. They were to be reminded it isn't really me who provides. Even though God says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But it is God who provides food on the table and clothes on our back and a shelter over our head. It's not that I should look at myself and my planning and my preparations and say, you've done it, you've succeeded, this is what life is supposed to be. And the repetition of the Sabbath, it wasn't a once a year thing, it wasn't a once in a lifetime thing. It was a weekly sign to God's people. It was to orient their hearts to Him, that by faith they would say to their hearts in their successes and in their failures of the previous week, my hope is in the living God. Because unfortunately, because of our sin, that hope is slippery to us. It slips right off our hearts. Some days it sticks and some days it slides. And we need the reminder where hope is. In 2010, Brian Dorkson wrote a hymn, a song, Enter the Rest of God. He asks in the verse 1 of that hymn, Are you tired, worn out and empty? Is your soul weary? Have you tried releasing your burdens? Do you feel the weight of worry? And at the end of that verse, he wrote a little tag, as if the Lord Jesus, God Himself speaking to His people, He says, I am the rest that you need. I am the Prince of Peace. And he welcomes, as Jesus did in Matthew chapter 11, enter the rest of God. So as we consider this passage briefly, you might say, well, Pastor, I don't know that I I really understand the connection between this and you mentioning ordaining elders and deacons and women in the church officers today as they're installed as well. Help me understand the connection between the two. Let me just say briefly that the way you serve in the church, the way that you do it in such a way that your heart is not burnt completely out in service, is by serving from a place of rest. Rest that you know that Jesus cares for His church more than you ever could. Rest that you know that He is serving through His people. And that it is by His strength that we work. If you don't serve from there, you will be wearied and tired and worn out. And your energy will be spent. You must serve by His grace. It is not enough in you to be able to do it. It's not possible. So as we think about the Lord's Day this morning, I want to do so briefly under three headings in the next few moments. Number one, the Lord's Day, it points us to God's grace. Think about who Jesus just made this offer to in Matthew chapter 11. Who did He say could come to Him? He said to all who labor and are heavy laden, either because of sin or their significant worldly cares or the unbearable religious requirements that some of the scribes and the teachers taught God's people. 
In Luke chapter 11, verse 46, he said to them, You load men with burdens hard to bear, and you do not touch the burdens, not even with one finger. There were people who taught, you've got to serve God this way and that way. And as they loaded all of those burdens onto God's people, it was as if they withdrew. I don't have to touch that. I don't have to be there for people. I don't need to get into the busyness of life. And they left it there and Jesus came and it says that He looked on His people with compassion because they were wearied and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Are you tired this morning? It's the beginning of the year. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Do you feel empty? Have you tried releasing your burdens? Do you feel and know the weight of worry? Jesus says to you, I am the rest that you need. I alone am the Prince of Peace. Come and enter the rest of God. What does He offer? Jesus is offering something here. He's inviting people to come to Him. He's saying, come to Me. I am the living God. He says, come and I will give you a list of things to do. I'll give you a list of the right people to contact, those that can help you make it forward in life. Or I'll tell you places you should avoid and places you should go. No, He says, come to Me and I'll give you rest. It's almost too unbelievable. Jesus, you're saying, I come to you and I do nothing. I am nothing. And you give me rest. He says, yes. Real, lasting soul rest. Burdens are lifted. Weights are removed in the presence of Jesus. And you might object and say, wait a minute. I have real responsibilities. My family, my finances, my future. You're saying just lay down these cares that are in my heart that walk with me every day. He promises. He doesn't say those go away. Look at what Jesus says. He said, come to me and I'll give you rest. He says, come and give those to me and I'll take them from you. And in their place I will give you peace and joy and rest in me and you will know that I'm carrying them for you. He doesn't say they go away. He says, I carry them. They're my burdens and I gladly bear them for my people. The fourth commandment is about Sabbath keeping in the law that God gave to Moses. It was given, if you notice, and think about the history of redemption. The fourth commandment was given after the fall. You might say, well, yeah, I get that, preacher. It was in Exodus and the fall was in Genesis. God was proclaiming, even after the fall, His desire to be in relationship with His people. And He commanded them, observe this Sabbath. And Jesus' offer in Matthew chapter 11 is the extension of that. He is saying to sinful man, I'm the only one that can heal you. And I'm the only one that can truly provide. Nothing that you work for can't be taken away, but what I give you will never perish. Eternal life with me. Do you hear that offer from Jesus today? He says, come to me and I will give you rest. The Lord's Day also warns us against unbelief. Point number two. In the Bible, if you, if you read throughout the Old Testament and into the New and into the book of Hebrews, it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 that God's people Israel, even though they received this command and God promised, I will be with you, I will be your God, I will take care of you. 
that they failed to enter God's rest, that neither Moses who gave them the law from God directly on the mountain, who came and said this is what God has says you should do, neither Moses nor Joshua who ushered the people into the promised land, and not even King David who sat on a throne that God promised would be an eternal throne, none of them could give God's people rest. All of God's people at that time failed to enter into that rest, it says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18. And to whom did He swear that they would not enter His rest, but to those who disobeyed? In verse 19, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It was unbelief. Not a list of imperfect doing that kept them from entering God's rest. It wasn't because they missed certain little aspects of the law or things that they left off. Oh shoot, I forgot. God's going to be angry. No, it says that they failed to enter the rest of God because of unbelief. They failed to lay a hold of the promises of God. When Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to Me, He proclaimed the truth that in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 it says, There still remains a rest for the people of God. That though you have been faithless, God is faithful to His people and I am here offering you rest. Rest from your sin. Rest from your conscience. Rest from work the way that it was changed after the fall. Rest for your soul. Come to Me and find rest. Jesus said, In Me alone, by faith, will you find and lay hold of the rest and the restored communion with God that Adam lost in the garden. You see, there were Sabbaths before the fourth commandment was given. Do you remember in the book of Genesis, it says that God came in the cool of the evening and He spent time with Adam. And they walked through the garden. They spent time together. Sinclair Ferguson calls it Father's Day. That the Sabbaths were Father's Day. That Adam and Eve enjoyed time with God in a special way that none of us have tasted. That heaven awaits. We lost that in the fall. And the Sabbath, one day in seven, is to point our hearts and to whet our appetites for heavenly rest with our Heavenly Father. I said it's a warning against unbelief. I want to just give you a few lies that I think our enemy would love for us to believe, to swallow whole, or maybe just to nibble at, like you may have done by the snack tray or the cookie plate at Christmas. Just to go by and take a little bit. Maybe not the whole thing, because everybody would notice, right? But just a few lies that the enemy would love for you to believe about the Sabbath. I worked really hard this week or last week. I deserve a day off. That worship of the living God is nothing more than a a product. I can choose to take it off the shelf and pay for it or I can choose to leave it. It's just too costly for me to go to church this week. I can't. Or maybe it's just an add-on. It's something that I can opt out of easily. I can cancel my contract early. I, don't, I can't do it this week. Another lie. Lord, I have this list of things I've got to do today. And I don't have time during the rest of the week. Sunday's the only day that I can do it. Sinclair Ferguson wrote about this. The problem then is not how we are doing Sunday. It's how we're misusing the rest of the week. 
And as I think about that, that answer and that lie from the enemy, it makes me think, whose kingdom am I building? Do I want to build mine? And am I willing to sacrifice worship of the living God and being with His people to build my kingdom that will crumble and fall? The last lie. I don't have any responsibilities at church today. I can miss. I won't let anyone down if I'm not there. Thinking of it only as a place to serve and something to do. And I'm just going because I'm needed or because I signed up for it in a moment of weakness because that person asked and so I said I'd do it. And you're missing out on spending time with the Savior who loves you. The God who says come to me and rest. You have no idea how much your soul needs it. If you know what it's like to run on adrenaline, you know what I'm talking about. You don't come in half empty, you come in below empty. The light has been on for miles and you are just skidding along, riding on fumes. You know what I mean. Lastly, the Lord's Day is a signpost pointing us to heavenly rest. It's a necessary reminder. Father's Day. It is what Adam and Eve enjoyed in fellowship with God in the garden. And it was lost in the fall. Have you ever walked around your house knowing you've lost something? And by the time you go from one room to the next, you can't remember why you went in there in the first place? I think that that's part of the, part of the curse. I know that there's something missing. And every time I go to church... I have an inkling of it. Every time I'm with God's people, He reminds me of what I am missing in fellowship and love and communion with Him. I remember losing that, except we don't. Except we don't. The Lord's Day pointed to the fourth commandment that was given to Israel and the eternally secured rest that Jesus bought for them in His flesh and blood through His perfect life when He died on the cross in their place, suffering for their sins, when He rose victoriously over the grave. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Therefore do not neglect to meet with one another, as is the habit of some, but keep on encouraging one another. Jesus came to restore to sinful man and woman the true communion with God that God always intended. How else are we to understand the public exhortation in Psalm 62, verse 8, why would David have written, Hope in the Lord, all you people? He was expecting to exclaim to God's people to be reminded, Don't forget God is the one who provides. Don't forget He's the one who heals our sins. He's the one that gives us a new heart. Don't forget. Encourage one another. There are many among us who need it. Do you know that about one another, brothers and sisters? And I know that many of you do. We need encouragement. We need reminding. We need to hear that there's hope in the gospel. That this life is not all that there is. That we are pilgrims. There are many of you who are hurting. And weary. And need rest. Encourage one another with these words. And lastly, a signpost pointing us to heavenly rest. Church every Sunday for you as God's people is a divine appointment with the living God. As David wrote here in Psalm 62, he preached the gospel to his own soul. Did you notice it wasn't a misprint? He says, hope in God, O my soul. 
He's preaching the gospel to himself. It was a reminder, don't set your heart on other things as the hope in this life. Not my relationships, not my money, not my job, not my retirement account or my bank account. There were challenges and conflicts that must have arisen in David's life that prompted him to write this. The natural urge must have been, I've got to pick up arms. I've got to take care of it myself. I need to get security. And the only way to do it is up to me. So I must do it. And he's preaching the gospel to his soul in Psalm 62. Hope in the Lord. He is my salvation. He's saying to his soul, believe it. Don't forget it. The trials want to take it away. But they cannot move me. He says, my soul waits silently for God alone. As we sing in a hymn together. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake. I'll never, no never, no never forsake. That is Jesus' promise to you. As you come to Him in your weakness, and in your weariness, and in your tiredness, and in the fight against sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil, Jesus says, come to me and rest. I will not forsake you. You are my bride. You are my people. I love you. And I am for you. Amen. Let's respond to God's Word together by singing a hymn, number 188, Jesus, I Am Resting, Resting. Let's stand together as we sing.
bow our heads and pray. Father, we pray that You would sanctify to us Your Word and the promises in it. That You, Lord Jesus, say to us weary sinners, people who were Your enemies, You call us to Yourself. You say, come to Me and rest. And You will find rest for Your souls. Lord, I pray that for Your people. That You would pour out that blessing among us. That we would know true peace and delight in Your presence. And I pray, Lord, that You would help us in our moments of weakness, that we would have faith because You have given it to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. At this time now, briefly in our service, we're going to be um, installing and ordaining elders and deacons in the church of the Lord Jesus here at Lebanon. And I just want to say very briefly at the beginning... A word about those who, the men who have rotated off um, after serving a, a term, they finished at the end of 2022. And I want to read briefly just a couple verses as we think about honoring these men who have served well in the church of the Lord Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, speaking about deacons. Paul writes, For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then later in 1 Timothy chapter 5, speaking about the same topic about elders, he says in verse 17, Let the elder who rules well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of its wages. I want to just express as your pastor, but also on behalf of the congregation, to you men who rotated off last year, after serving faithfully in the church, thank you. We honor you. We praise the Lord for your faithfulness in His church. We praise you for ser- praise the Lord for you serving in a time that was quite difficult during COVID, where things were very different. We praise the Lord for you. And we thank Him for faithfulness to us through your service. Thank you, men, from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for the example that you set. At this time, I want to have come forward, up, stand up front here with me, uh, the men who are going to be installed and ordained as deacons. So you voted last Sunday in the congregational meeting that Jay Joyner, Bob Hamilton, Jay Burroughs, and Tim Cam would be uh, called as deacons. Of the church. So, men, please come forward at this time. Men, I'm going to speak a little bit loudly and stand right here with you, okay? Um, And it's a little bit different, I'll, I'll just say. We have one man who is coming back on. After having spent a year off, uh, Jay Joyner has served previously and was a, a deacon previously. So we won't be ordaining him today. We won't be having him kneel and the elders lay hands on him and pray for him. But we will be doing that for the other men, for Tim and Jay and Bob. They are our first-time deacons. And praise the Lord for raising them up to serve in His church. That He would do this, that He would call them, that you would recognize the gifts that the Lord has put in them, and that they would humbly say, yes, I want to serve in the church. I want to serve. So I want to read just briefly from 1 Timothy again, chapter 3, about deacons. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, 
not given to much wine, not greedy for money, but holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their houses well. You read these qualifications many months ago. You nominated these men. They went through a, a time of maybe trial, you might say, men. Did some training with me over the course of several weeks. And then they were examined by your elders. And we recommended their names to you last week. And said, we believe that these are the deacons that God has raised up to serve Lebanon Presbyterian Church during this time. So the day having arrived and them having been examined and trained and called by you and elected by you. Men, I'm going to ask you the vows that we went over previously. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as originally given to be the inerrant word of God? The only infallible rule of faith and practice, do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you further promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the fundamentals of this system of doctrine, you will, on your own initiative, make known to your session the change which has taken place in your views since the assumption of this ordination vow? Do you? Do you approve of the form of government and discipline of the Presbyterian Church in America in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity? Do you? And do you accept the office of deacon in the church and promise faithfully to perform all the duties thereof and to endeavor, by the grace of God, to adorn the profession of the gospel in your life and to set a worthy example before the church of which God has made you an officer, do you? And do you promise subjection to your brethren in the Lord? Do you? And do you promise to strive for the purity, peace, unity, and edification of the church? Do you? And then I have a question for you, members of Lebanon Presbyterian Church. Please uh, respond with a hearty, I do and I will. Do you, the members of this church, acknowledge and receive these brothers as deacons? And do you promise to yield to them all the honor, encouragement, obedience in the Lord to which the office, according to the word of God and the constitution of this church, entitles them? Do you? Praise the Lord. At this time, I'm going to ask that our elders come forward and uh, we're going to have the men that we are ordaining kneel and we are going to lay hands on them according to the practice of the Holy Scriptures and then we will have the elders pray for them. So this will be our elders who currently were serving at the end of last calendar year. So this would include the men who just rotated off. Please come forward and we're going to pray for these brothers. Bobby, I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind opening in prayer, and then I'll close. After whoever would like to pray, then everybody can pray if you'd like. Father, this is a glorious day in the life of your church here. So we thank you for bringing these men to the service of you, to our congregation as well. 
and thank you for bringing two men who had not been here before. And we thank you for bringing God back to grace in this church, Father. We thank you for these men, and we thank you for their willingness to serve, and we thank you for what they will do as officers of this church. Father, we thank you for everything that you do to this church. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, we do thank you for this day that we can ordain these new, new elders in the church. We thank you for their willingness to serve, to serve you and serve this church, serve the members of the church. Well, we just pray that they will use their gifts and their talents to, uh, to further the studies of this church and just help us for asking things in Jesus' name. Hey Lord, I also just thank you for these men and their willingness to serve you and serve this church, Father. Jesus, let me pray. Father, we ask that these men would, would lead in their capacity as is given through Scripture and washed by the Spirit and the Word on a daily basis as they lead this congregation. Give them strength to carry through commands that you have given them and to better serve this church and all of its congregants thereof. In Christ's name. Father, we do thank you for these men and their desire to serve our church. And Father, I ask now that you bear them with the equipment they need, the wisdom they need, Father, and the abilities and the time to to serve this church, Father, and I thank you for bringing them to us, Father, and just ask that you just hold them through the next three years. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these three men, these, these brothers who you have called out among your congregation here at Lebanon, and just pray that you will strengthen them, guide them in all their ways, and pray that they will serve you well for the sake of your kingdom. And ask these things in your name. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just... Uh... Raise, up, raise these men up to you, Lord. I pray that you uh, give them the uh, wisdom and discernment, Lord, to do the business of your church, Lord, and may their decisions glorify you and uh, edify your church, Lord, and may you bless these men and their family, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to this church and for uh, these men that you have called. And Father, we know in their own strength that they can't do this, but we know that uh, by your strength they can. And we just pray that you would have your hand upon them, that you would protect them, you would protect their hearts, their minds, uh, as they serve you, and Father, they would uh, be great examples uh, to the people here and to the community. And, um, Father, this place, they would follow you closely in all that they do, that they would love your word, and uh, just proclaim the name of Jesus, and I ask these things in his name. Father, I thank you for Bob, and Tim, and Jay, and I pray, Lord, that you would sanctify their hearts to you that as they serve you they would grow closer to you that they would grow closer to other brothers in Christ and Lord I pray that you would give them all the joy and delight in serving that you fill your people with I pray Lord that you would protect their hearts that they wouldn't set aside their own personal love and worship of you for the sake of service in your church Lord help them to grow in your word I pray that they would lead their homes well protect them from attacks from the enemy and Lord, we pray that you would help them to grow in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So men, we're now going to give you the right hand of fellowship to take part in this office with us.
So men, I have one more thing to do with you after you finish shaking hands. Please don't don't end too early. So I now pronounce and declare that Bob Hamilton, Jay Burroughs, Tim Cam, and Jay Joyner have been regularly elected, these three ordained and all of them installed, as deacons in the church agreeable to the word of God and according to the constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America, and that as such they are entitled to all encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Men, I have just a brief charge for you from the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 26, and it will be brief. In Matthew, chapter 20, verse 26, it says, It shall not be among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. I want to encourage you men as you serve as deacons in this church. Don't allow your heart to say, whatever that is that's in front of me, that's beneath me. There's nothing that God puts in front of you that is beneath who you are. Serve the Lord with fear and trembling. Do the things that need to be done even if nobody says they need to be done. Take care of them. It's one of the distinguishing marks that I have seen as someone who's observed here at Lebanon. That those who serve the Lord and who distinguish themselves as His servants... They do things even though no one says this has to be done. May you do that in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ and in honor of those who came and served before you for the sake of His glory alone. Amen. Then you may be seated. At this time I'd also uh, like to call forward Daniel Timms and Steve Gant. No, you don't have to stay. You don't have to stay. We'll call you up again. So, these two men have been uh, elders in God's church previously. And so they are here today after having been nominated and elected by you in our congregational meeting last week that we held. And I just want to say to both of you men, what a joy and a privilege to get to serve together again. And I'm going to ask you the constitutional questions again that you've already assented to. And the difference between, again, ordination and installation is we won't have them kneel and pray. But the elders will come back in just a moment and we will extend to them the right hand of fellowship as we enter into the service of the Lord's church again together. So men, I'm going to, I'm going to step down here. And ask you the constitutional questions. Do you believe in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as originally given to be the inerrant word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you? I do. I do. And do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you further promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the fundamentals of this system of doctrine... You will, on your own initiative, make known to your session the changes which have taken place in your views since the assumption of this vow. Do you approve of the form of church government and discipline 
of the Presbyterian Church in America in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity. Do you? And do you accept the office of ruling elder in this church and promise faithfully to perform all the duties thereof and to endeavor by the grace of God to endure in the profession of the gospel in your life and to set a worthy example before the church of which God has made you an officer? Do you? And do you promise subjection to your brethren in the Lord? Do you? And do you promise to strive for the purity, peace, unity, and edification of the church? Do you? And I have a, a question for you also as the members of Lebanon Presbyterian Church. Do you, the members of this church, acknowledge and receive these brothers as ruling elders? And do you promise to yield to them all that honor, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord to which his office, according to the word of God and the constitution of the church, entitles him? Do you? Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask that the elders come back up, men. We're going to extend you the right hand of fellowship, and then I'm going to give you a brief charge. It is a joy and a privilege, David and Steve, to serve with you both. So now I pronounce and declare that Daniel Timms and Steve Gant have been regularly elected and installed as ruling elders in this church, agreeable to the word of God and according to the constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America, and that as such they are both entitled to all encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Men, I have a brief charge for you. From 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 2 through 4 as your charge, men. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, serving as overseers, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. That does not fade away. Men, I count it a privilege and an honor to be able to serve with all of you. And how fitting that we could stand here together today and look one another in the eye. Knowing that the Lord has been faithful to His church through you. And I know that you bear a weight of responsibility in your own families, in your own homes, and in this church. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say that there are generations of faithfulness in this church, even represented here, standing here in our elders, and in our deacons. And there are those who have served the Lord with the distinction that He has called home. Praise the Lord for them. Praise the Lord for God's faithfulness. There is a heritage of faithfulness at Lebanon that we enjoy. We don't deserve, but we enjoy because of the richness of God's faithfulness to His people. Praise the Lord. I'm going to pray briefly. Father, we thank You for this time and this special service to ordain servants of the living God and to install servants of the living God to the offices of ruling elder and deacon. We thank you and we praise you 
We thank you for gifting people to serve in your church. And it is a reminder to us that you love your church more than we ever could. And we thank you and praise you for the blood of Jesus that covers our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, men. At this time, I'd like to uh, have come forward. We're also today installing um, officers for the women's ministry here at Lebanon. And wanted to ask that those who are being installed to please come forward. some questions for these ladies as they are going to be installed. Then I do have a question for the women of Lebanon Presbyterian Church and then I will have a brief exhortation for you ladies from the scriptures. So the answer should be yes uh, to these questions. Do you believe in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice, do you? Are you thoroughly acquainted with the functions and responsibilities of the office to which you have been elected? Have you? Do you promise to faithfully perform all the duties of this office as unto the Lord? And will you support the officers, the goals and activities of our women's ministry here at Lebanon with your presence, with your prayers, and your physical and mental energies? Then I have a question for our ladies, for our women here at Lebanon. Do you gratefully acknowledge the willingness of these women to serve you and Lebanon Presbyterian Church in their elected capacities? Do you? Yes. And will you support these officers with your cooperation, encouraging words, and prayers? Yes. Then I declare that these women have been duly elected and installed as women's ministry officers of Lebanon Presbyterian Church. And then I want to give you ladies just a brief exhortation from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. It says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Ladies, I pray for you as women in the church officers that you would have all joy and delight in your service and that you would do exactly what we talked about today in the sermon, that you would rest in Jesus and that it would be from that well that does not dry up that you would serve the ladies in this church. And that the Lord would sanctify for you special time to be in His Word. That you would first be a worshiper before you bear any title in the church of the Lord Jesus. You are His daughter. And you are loved and beloved. And that He desires to commune with you. And that that would be what pours out of you to the ladies in this church. And I know that it does to me. And maybe I'm off saying it, but you have, each of you, have blessed me in a special way. And it is an honor to be your pastor. 
Let me pray for these ladies and for our church. Father, we thank you and we praise you for raising up all of us to serve in your church. I pray for these ladies as they serve you in the roles that you have gifted them in, that they would do so with all honor and love as unto you, and that you would give them special time each day to be with you in your word, that prayer would be sweet to them. And I pray, Lord, for the dry times because they're going to come. I pray that you would sanctify to them faith in the dry times and in the seasons that are hard, raising children and caring for family and having other concerns, taking care of their own homes and making sure they run efficiently. Lord, I pray that you would sanctify for them time and energy. And may they not sacrifice time in your word. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Pour out your spirit upon them. Fill them to do this work that you've given them to do. That we would see and rejoice as they serve you in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, ladies. This time let us stand and receive the benediction of the Lord from the book of Romans. Says the benediction of our Lord. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.